And welcome back to the Flash Podcast, your podcast for everything that is CW's The Flash, starring Grant Gustin as Barry Allen, The Flash. I'm one of your hosts, Andy B, and with me are my hosts, Scott Murray and Lauren Galloway. Hello. Hey, guys. How you guys do? How are you guys doing today? Doing all right. I'm pretty good. Same here. I um, Luckily, this week, I, I did not have a Twitter account get, uh, hacked, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I had a good <laughs> night's sleep, and... Um, I had some good tacos yesterday, last night. Uh, I love tacos on a Tuesday. So, uh, but hey, let's say let's forget about my personal life and let's get to some. <laughs> so, let's get Taco Tuesday. So it, mm-hmm. Oh right, it is Taco Tuesday. So <laughs> we're gonna get to some news about um, the Flash that came out this week. And uh, just also want to guys um, just give you a little heads up that uh, later in this episode you will hear a little section from me as well as uh, Shag from FirestormFan.com because look if if there's Firestorm in the Flash, you bring in the master of Firestorm. So later in this episode you'll be hearing you know a little section we did last night um, for five ten minutes. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. So Scott, what piece of news came out this week? Uh, well, they have added a new cast member, The Walking's Dead. The, the Walking's, The Walking Dead's Emily Kinney is going to play the bug-eyed bandit in The Flash, um, starting in episode eighteen. It says here on FlashTVNews.com, episode eighteen of The Flash will be bringing Ray Palmer and Felicity Smoke from Arrow onto the show with an episode called All Star Team Up. It had also been revealed that the villain would be Adam Foe, the Bug-Eyed Bandit. But instead of Bertram Larvin, the character is now a female named Brie Larvin, and she will be played by Emily Kinney. Uh, the CW describes her character as this, quote, Brie is a narcissistic tech wizard wreaking havoc in Central City. When Felicity and Ray arrive, Felicity recognizes Brie as her nemesis, and the two women engage in a hacker battle for the Flash's life. Whoa. I totally forgot about the hacker battle aspect. I... No, I have a... I, I haven't... I don't watch Walking Dead because... Ugh, zombies. Uh, but <laughs> I, um, I, I I think this is a, is a fine casting. I, I saw some people, of course, get upset because Oh my god, how dare they change a male character into female? Like, it's like Look, it's fine. It's worked before, and I, you know, I, I'm looking forward to see this. And you know, the casting for the show has been spot on so far. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to see what they will do with this villain. And it's, you know, look, bug-eyed bandit. Just let's just take that in for a second. We're getting a villain with that kind of name. That's going to be kind of hilarious and cool at the same time. So um, that's my thoughts about it. Uh, Lauren, what do you think about it? 
I'm really excited. I was already excited that Felicity and Ray were going to visit Central City in that episode. And I wasn't really sure why they were going to visit Central City because we hadn't really heard too much about um, the plot details for that episode. But I love the fact that like Felicity gets a nemesis, that we get another Felicity-centric episode. Because I loved, um, what was it, The Secret Life of Felicity Smoke? Secret Origins. Secret Origins, yeah. That was the Arrow episode where we got to meet her mom and her ex-boyfriend. And we got to see her all gothed out in college. Um, But Felicity is such a strong character. And she brings so much to the Arrow team. But I love the fact that she gets her own arcs. And she gets her own kind of battles to fight. What about you, Scott? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm like you. I I am not a avid Walking Dead fan um or watcher i mean i i have full respect for the popularity of the show and i totally get while it's popular i'm just uh anything that involves eating or biting people tends to not be my thing same <laughs> so, here brother uh but, no you um, guys like aren't into that kind of stuff no <laughs> I'm but not even. Uh, it's, but it's, it's it's cool. So I don't know much about her, but I mean, just about anybody from that show, it, you know, clearly is uh, got you know some acting chops. So I'm sure she'll be great. It is an interesting choice to kind of reverse the uh, uh, go from a male character to female character, uh, but that's something that's happening uh, a lot. And they do take liberties um, on this show in several different areas, not just that. So I mean, you know, it's not like they've been sticking right to the book all the way up to this point, anyway. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting name of a character, uh, the bug-eyed bandit. I think if they manage to fit, you know, a character, you know, uh, the character of bug-eyed bandit and peekaboo in the same, <laughs> in the same episode, it should be really interesting with two names like that. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, but the, as far as the premise is concerned, uh, having the, uh, hacker battle to, uh, uh, with Barry's life in the balance should be a very, uh, intense and, uh, engaging episode to say the least. Yeah, and and that's the episode that you, you Lauren, actually will be back for after um, today's episode. So it, yes, it, you, you you know you will also get to talk some Flaro crossovering, and it's uh, it should be a lot of fun. And yes, of course we sh- we should talk about the costume of Adam just briefly. It's it's amazeball, seriously. It's incredible. I was reading an article. Um, I forget who was commentating. I don't know if it was Kreisberg or Guggenheim, but it was one of the showrunners on Arrow, and they were talking about how a suit like that has never been on television before. Like, they're really upping their game in terms of the type of tech and quality of, of, like, suit that we can see on television. Do you like it, Scott? Do you like the costume? For the Atom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um... You know, I, I think that's a really good point. I mean, it, they are they are definitely going all out on that. Where you know, sometimes you see shows, um, especially superhero shows, kind of simplify things just for the sake of budget and believability on the small screen. Um, it's really cool that they're going to maximize everything they've got to make that costume um, look the way it does. And I'm looking forward to seeing that go forward. Anyway, I just recently wrote a blog on Big Damn fanboy.com about Brandon Ralph's character and um, how I wish uh, we could have seen, you know, the the really good characterization of him back when they attempted to make him Superman and Superman Returns and how much and how you can see what they saw back then and how well he placed the, this character on uh, on, well, I guess mainly Arrow, but also when he appears in The Flash. 
and maybe soon his own show. Who knows? There might be a spin-off for him, as the, we heard about it a few weeks ago at the TCA. But uh, no, I, I'm, I'm really digging the costume. It looks, <clears throat> to me, it's a, it's a, it feels like a combination of the, of the Ant-Man suit and the Iron Man suit, and I. And there's been a lot of comparisons to a lot of different suits out there, but I no, I love it, and I'm looking forward to see it in action. I and it's gonna, it's gonna be a fun episode to talk about uh, here on the Flash podcast, and um, and then also because I feel like there's always some big piece of news that breaks after we record our episode, so I'm just gonna insert uh, an appropriate reaction to whatever comes out. So say, let's say something is announced uh, in a few hours. I, you know, I'm just gonna insert this reaction right now. I'm looking forward to discuss about this on the next week's episode of the Flash Podcast. There, we all we're all set now. So <laughs> I've I've covered I've covered what will potentially be announced. Nicely, so, nicely done. Yeah. So it's neither positive or negative. It's just that we will talk about that on the next week's episode of the Flash Podcast. So, but hey, let's get to this week's <laughs> episode of the Flash. The nuclear man. So this was the reintroduction of Firestorm, a character that a lot of people have been anticipating this whole season because, well, there's Robbie Amell and there's, I don't know, I don't think you guys have heard of his actor called Victor Garber. Um, he did this little no, show called Alien. never uh, heard of Victor Garber. Never, ever, ever, ever. She said while flailing in the background without, <laughs> without us seeing. Uh, let's, uh, let's get into Firestorm now. So and I kind of want to start with you, Scott, because I I always love to get your perspective because you know, I you know you always because you have always said about your your comic book experience personally. I what was it like seeing more Firestorm now with the the whole concept of two people inside of one body and all that? Well, I think that it was handled nicely. I mean, we've um, we we were talking as we led up to this point. You know, how are they going to make this work? And I like I like what they did because really it wasn't complicated. They just said, "Okay, we will, uh, you know, we'll have him w- walking around in, um, uh, in in one body, and the other guy will talk through it, and then we'll just say the other guy's there," <laughs> uh, which I thought was you know a, you know a really simplistic way to handle it, effective way to handle it. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's it's interesting. Um, to watch that kind of unfold because, you know, the, the scenes where he was blown up and setting things on fire were obviously fun to watch, but you know, there were much more compelling and engaging things about what happened throughout the show. Um, especially when he crossed paths with his wife again. Um, but even it's really, it was really interesting to watch, um, you know, when he, especially when he gets all cleaned up again, um, <laughs> uh, you know, how that impacts, um, Caitlin, um, you know, at one point in time, um, he calls her Kate and she tells him not to call him, call her that. Um, there's a moment where he's talking about how he can see memories of the two of them in his head, which, you know, I, I, you know, they made kind of a sweet moment, but I thought, geez, you know, what all can you see that they were involved in? (laughs) That Mm -hmm. might can be a good or bad thing. Um, and, um, you know, it was it was kind of I was really finding myself analyzing a lot about Caitlin in this just because, um, you know, she walked around and and talked about how she was past it. And then we wondered why she didn't have a bigger reaction when she saw him for the first time. And then even knowing that he was still walking around seemed to work really hard to get past it. And then suddenly, you know, with him walking around looking the way he used to, 
um, she finds herself not necessarily as ready to let go as she thought, you know, um, because she's had the extended um, interactions with him in this show. So I found those um, elements of the show to be much more interesting than just the the cool flying around and setting things on fire and everything um, as far as the character was concerned. Just, you know, the whole idea of two people um, struggling uh, within one person and how that affects everybody involved, I thought was um, was really the the key focus of the story and the key element of the story was 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 that, um, especially as he kind of calmed down and was really trying to figure out how to get help. How did you feel about Martin Stein just as just the character Martin Stein in the flashbacks? Um, well, I mean, it worked. I mean, you know, we we uh, got a chance to see Martin Stein, and um, um, you know, I, I thought as we expected, it, you know, he was portrayed in a, in a way that worked. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just find myself wanting to learn more about him, and that's a good thing. Did you, um, and I'm going to ask you, did it, you this as well, Lauren, but did you feel that there was a little bit of a sadness to him when he met Barry at the train? That he, this was kind of a man that was kind of beat down because he, he he seemed a little bit sarcastic to the whole aspect of science and he just didn't seem, he didn't seem thrilled about it. He just seemed very neutral and stable and not that excited about it as Barry was. Like, did you feel that there's some, there's a, there's a darkness to Martin that we we might see later on? I don't know if there's a darkness. There's just, you know, look, we it's been well established that uh, Dr. Wells is a very polarizing figure, not only for the audience, but the people he meets and comes across. He has people that like him and admire him, and he has people that are not the biggest fans of him in the world. And you never know, Stein might be, you know, might have been one of those people at some point, you know, at that point in time. You know, I don't, I wondered why he was just kind of meh on the whole thing. But, um, you know, I don't know if it's darkness. It might be just, you know, a reason for animosity. Um, I think there'll be probably a time where we'll, we'll figure out why that, why that was. But, you know, I, I don't have any real, you know, predictions or ideas as to why, you know, he felt that way about the, um, you know, about Star Labs or about what was going on over there. Okay, interesting. And uh, Lauren, let's turn to to you now. Uh, what did you feel about the reintroduction of Firestorm now that we, you know, with both of them inside that body and seeing Martin Stein in the flashbacks? I completely agree with Scott. I felt like this episode was really emotional, especially with the scenes um, where Dr. Stein's wife, Clarissa, is talking about what it was like to lose her husband. And then, you know, you see that scene where um, Ronnie, like, first realizes what's going on. And, like, Martin Stein is, like, talking. And he says, you know, I need to get to my wife. Like, I need to get home. And that whole theory of, like, who you love is home. I thought that was such great depth because, like, with a show like The Flash, you, like, they don't have to be that emotional. They don't have to be that layered because it's kind of, you know, a fun sci-fi show and, you know, Barry has a girlfriend and they're exploring all these kind of lighthearted topics. But they they dove pretty deep, I think, with just with the whole theme of love and, like, who you're meant to be with and how... Like these two people are trapped inside one person and they both love these different women. 
And I could feel that emotional pulse more than I could feel anything else. Like, yes, I was, I was captivated by the science behind the firestorm kind of dual personality. But more than that, I just really wanted them to be able to be separated. And I didn't think they were going to be separated because I hadn't, I like, I don't read spoilers while well, I try not to read spoilers. And so I, like, I went into this episode not knowing anything about the future of these two characters. I didn't think they were going to get separated. I didn't even know it was a possibility. But, like, when you hear them talk about their, well, Caitlin, and you hear them talk about Dr. Shane's wife, like, my heart was like, oh, my God, please let them be separated so that they can be reunited with the people that they love. Yeah, I I agree with you. There's, there was a lot of emotional depth to this episode for, because... Look, some, you know, sometimes, you know, I have to take off my fanboy hat and just, you know, look at it as a critic and just realize, okay, what is going on here? And it's more than just this epic sci-fi drama with a superhero that can fly, you know, with fire and all that. It's a, it's a reflection on how messed up the Central City has become now for some of the, the citizens because of the Particle Accelerator incident. That, that because look, Ronnie and Stein, they, they didn't choose this. They didn't. They didn't want to live this life. So now they're they're kind of forced to be connected with each other, and hopefully it's going to lead to something good. Maybe a relationship, which you know is in the comics between those two. But it was it was emotional because it kind of reminds you that yes, Barry has all these amazing powers, but not everyone got blessed like him. Even though Ronnie and Martin, they have amazing powers, it's. It comes with a prize. So far, Barry hasn't had that, you know, how should I put it, prize to pay for his powers. Like, aside from having to eat a lot of food because of his metabolism and having to hide his secret identity from Iris and all that, Barry doesn't have that thing of you have to connect with someone else, you have to be trapped in order to be able to live or do whatever it is you can do. So, yeah, I, I, I enjoy and also agree with both what both of you said about the whole theme of emotional depth to what has happened to these two. The, the other thing I <clears throat> appreciated about the the talk that Stein and uh, Barry had on the train was the moment when Stein looked at Barry and said he looked too young to be CSI. <laughs> I thought that was nice because I remember on uh, the Assembly of Geeks podcast when it was announced that Grant Gustin was going to be playing the Flash and he was going to be this scientific, you know, CSI investigator and we went, "Boy, he sure is young to have that job." <laughs> <laughs> and we all, I mean, we get it. We realize that, you know, you kind of have to cast people that kind of fit your target audience and fit who you're trying to reach and fit the network and all that sort of thing. But that was our initial reaction when we saw that Grant was, and he's done a great job, by the way. It's not, you know, this is nothing about Grant. It was just when that when that announcement was made, and then you know we see him make his first appearance on Arrow as this, uh, you know, you know the CSI guy that's working for the police department. Um, we we I remember us talking about it. We we're like, gosh, he seems to be really young to to hold such a, a position. So that was I my first feel episode like of Assembly Geeks that I listened to later on uh, when I discovered. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the first episode I remember listening to. Then I listened to the one when uh, Amanda Conkin from Cooper Podcast yep. stopped by. The good times. Good. Yeah. Times. You know what else I liked about the scene on the train was the fact that we got another particle accelerator flashback. 
Yes. And I feel like we're going to start getting more of those because we've seen a few flashbacks, but it's almost like a puzzle. Like we know that something really crazy happened on that day. We're not exactly sure what happened. We just know that it affected a lot of people. And so, and slowly but surely we're getting a picture because there was, I forget which episode it was where we saw, I think it may have been, the first episode where they talked about Ronnie Raymond dying, but we saw what Dr. Wells was doing the day the particle accelerator blew. Like, didn't he go see Gideon at some point? Do you guys remember what episode I'm talking I, about? I think it was episode... Hmm. What episode? I, I don't think it was episode three, because I know that was the episode when they explored the death of, uh, of Ronnie and whatnot, but I... I, I, I know what scene you're talking about, and uh, once again, I'm trying to remember not to call her Ganon and just make sure I call her Gideon. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't. Um, That's I don't okay. Remember. I just I like I like the fact that we're we're starting to get a clearer picture of everything that was going on that day, and I hope we get to see more flashbacks like that. No, I am. Um, yeah, I, I think we will. I think that's it. Because look, flashbacks is part of both Arrow and the Flash. With Flash, because there's no island, there's no Hong Kong. It's it's not as easy to do flashbacks. But you know, they have the particle accelerator incident as well as the nine months while Barry was in a coma. Which you know, <laughs> funny enough, when I asked Greg Blanty last that question last last year at Comic Con, I asked like, is, is there any chance we might see flashbacks from the other characters' perspective? Um, during the nine months, kind of use that as an island. He was like, you know, we haven't thought about that, but you know what? We may actually use that now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know who to thank later on. So, but while we're on the top topic of Firestorm, let's talk about how did the operation for Fi- Save Firestorm go, Lauren? Um, I thought that was a really interesting way to solve the problem because here we have Dr. Wells and he has a solution to th- their separation. He has the the photon, I forget what it's called. Um, and he, he can do it, or the quantum splicer. And he can do it, but he has to sacrifice his timetable. And Gideon even asks him that, or she tells him, you know, your timetable is going to be pushed for what, like, whatever his grand plan is. And he's like, well, I won't have a timetable at all if Central City goes nuclear. And I thought that was really interesting because up to this point, we've pretty much only seen Dr. Wells be really selfish and really only make decisions in pursuit of his grand plan, which, you know, I think is going to be trying to take Barry's speed at some point. Um, And like, just to see him choose people over himself I think with some character growth and I know, I know there's a huge arc for Dr. Wells and I know there's a huge arc for the reverse flash and I know technically he's a bad guy, but I I have a little glimmer of hope that like Barry Allen is starting to rub off on Dr. Wells. What do you guys think? Do you guys see that in the episode? No, I, I agree with the, I agree with you that the, because look, I've, it cannot be that simple. Like you get someone like Tom Cavanaugh just to play a straight-on villain. I don't think it's that simple. I think he is. I think is an anti-hero if anything. Like maybe this version of the Reverse Flash is somewhat of an anti-hero. But, um, but I don't know. I don't know. That, yeah. I. But I, all I can say is I agree with you. But uh, but Scott, your take. Um, you know, when it comes to Doctor Wells, I don't assume 
anything, <laughs> you know, uh, even, <laughs> if, even if the show kind of wants me to assume something, I just don't. I mean, I, you know, I, I think one way I think, you know, whether it's a good plan or an evil plan, things are not going to fall into place the way they're supposed to. He's going to have to make adjustments. And when he makes adjustments, I can't assume it's for good or evil. I just have to assume it's, you know, it's all part of the plan. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't, you know, and he's grabbing the gun and, you know, she's talking about, uh, yeah, that it'll, it'll delay his, uh, his timetable. Um, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what he's doing there. So, um, you know, I, I just think that they have to keep looping that in regularly because everything that happens every day is impacting whatever Dr. Wells is trying to do. And this is even without him knowing that, uh, Cisco and Joe are figuring out what happened on the crime scene. So things are going to keep changing, and this isn't the last time he's probably going to have to tweak things and whatever it is he's trying to accomplish. Now, what do you think Gannon would would have told him if he had been in the future room? Like, do you think he would have um, advised him or told him something that, completely different? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't speak for Gannon. Um, <laughs> other than to, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, it, it's in a way, it's kind of hard for me to. Uh, visualize Gannon being part of a sinister plan unless it's something uh, to mess with Jeff. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. The operation, yeah, I, I felt it was interesting how they did the quantum spicer and um, uh, I'm just looking forward to see the repercussions of it uh, next week. And um, But before we uh, end our firestorm discussion of this episode, I'm just going to insert our little discussion that I had with uh, Shag last night from firestormfan.com. So, yeah, take take it away. Me, from the past, somewhat. And, guys, I'm now going to bring in my good buddy Shag from firestormfan.com because, look, you don't do an episode about the Flash that has Firestorm in it without the master of Firestorm. So, Shag, welcome back to the Flash podcast. Thank you very much. And, you know, just for the, for the record, the name of the episode was... The Nuclear Man, which is Firestorm's like sub tagline, Firestorm the Nuclear Man. So very exciting news. Are you dropping some knowledge on us, or you know, dropping some atomic bombs? If you no, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Here's guys. Here's the thing. It's super late where I am at the East Coast. Shag is on. Well, you're also on the East Coast, right? Yeah. So yeah, we're both super tired. So we're gonna probably say a lot of weird things. So tomorrow morning, when you guys listen to this episode, and you listen to this part, and then listen to the other part of the episode, which is me, Shag, and with me and Scott and Lauren, you will tell a difference. So be patient with us, because. <laughs> but let's 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 just kick off with some overall thoughts about the episode. Like, what did you think about it? I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, obviously, I'm predisposed to enjoy it. You know, we've all been waiting. Well, I guess I'd say 13 weeks, but really it's been longer with the mid-season break. We've been waiting, you know, several months for this. Firestorm has been hinted at. It's like the longest character hinting ever, I think. I mean, oh my gosh, it took forever to get here. But the payoff was great. You know, I I could sit here and be one of the nitpicking folks and go, is that Firestorm from the comics? No, there are distinct differences. But you know what? For the translation they went with to take the character to the screen, I think they did a very nice job. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I will agree. Uh, as someone who is still, I'm still new to Fire, so I haven't had time since we did our last episode. 
in um, this, you know, in the summer about Firestorm, I haven't had time to buy the books because I'm still trying to figure out should I buy some of the classic Firestorm or should I buy the new 52 Firestorm? But um, I I love the fact that they're that they're that they're able to do Firestorm on television. Like, look, Human Torch has nothing on him. Like the the, the, the little teaser trailer for Fantastic or <clears throat> fan, quote unquote Fantastic Four. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Firestorm is a lot more cooler, and um, and I, so I I, I like I, I like what we saw in this episode. And can we just talk about Robbie and Mel being able to portray so well as ju- not just only Ronnie, but also Martin's thing? Because look, Victor Garber, like look, he's he's no. He's a he's a tough cookie as a, in like you know in a good way you know it's like it's hard to get up to his level of acting, but but Robbie he. Uh, he, he did it like he like he 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 did the mouth he did the, like almost a posture in a little bit, a little mm-hmm. bit if you know what i mean yeah he stood up he stood up straighter he enunciated <laughs> his words clearer um he he was definitely now from the interview i saw later he said he wasn't trying to imitate victor but he was trying to you know be more of a mature character he was trying to play a more mature character because he didn't want to just um completely rip you know try and pretend imitation what is what i'm trying to say i guess he didn't want to just pretend to be victor because he felt like that wouldn't come off good it wouldn't come off honest so he went this route but i i think he did a very nice job at it It i guess i i was sort of expecting him to speak with victor's voice is what i had thought was going to happen because i knew you know i knew he's victor and ronnie's i'm sorry um martin in ronnie's body so i kind of was expecting him to speak as with Victor Garber's voice, but you know it worked out fine. Robbie did a very good, very good job in that role. I do want to see more of Victor Garber because I'm very excited. And I, I don't know if I've ever told you, but Professor Martin Stein is actually probably my favorite character in the Firestorm mythos. No, I think I think we talked about that in our Firestorm episode uh, when you were here last summer I, because we had a. I think I even asked you. I, I'm either, either it was on air or off air, but I remember asking like which, which like which of the three Firestorm people do you like the most like which like which duo do you also like the most and you said that you loved Martin Stein a lot because of you know I, I think you may have said that because you know you're mixing up you know a young kid and then also this brilliant scientist whose life is forever changed because of this incident yeah and that also you know Ronnie is a young muscular kind of action-oriented guy so him running out there and being the hero not that big of a leap I mean, it's still a big deal, but it's it's you're not it's not shocking. Whereas Martin is a middle-aged, frail scientist. I mean, that's not he's not predisposed to running around and being a superhero. And yet, Martin Stein always stepped up to the plate. He was always I mean, he's a little grumpy, but he was always willing to step up and be a hero. In fact, there was even a few instances in the Justice League where Martin is the one who saved the day, not Ronnie, not Firestorm, but Martin Stein himself, where he beat up the bad guys. He knocked out Hector <laughs> Hammond. He uh, he built a machine to to help stop um, Killer Frost. I mean, it's I love Martin Stein and Victor Garber is even those just brief moments we saw of him today. He sold it. And well, the I, flashbacks, I, the flashbacks yeah. was so cool, and he it was just funny to see Barry interact with him. If you know what I mean, it was mm-hmm. on the train, and he was like, "Oh, it's super cool," and uh, <laughs> I. Oh, Victor Garber is back on TV. It just—it's just amazing. Uh, but uh, that, that was a—that was a bit of a callback, by the way, because in the original Flash pilot, there was going to be a scene with Barry on the train coming back from Starling City and meeting Professor Stein on the train. 
Yeah, I maybe it was because they were trying to figure out, like maybe they were still trying to find the right actor. And you know, look, it the wait was worth it because we got Garber. <laughs> but yep. um, but let me ask you this because I okay, so they're like you said, they're taking some liberties and doing a different adaptation of Firestorm. Um, no costume right now, but we will see a costume later. Robbie Amell has said, I need to make sure that well, I don't his, say... His exact, his exact words were... So, well, I shouldn't say exact, because now I'm paraphrasing. It was something along the lines of, we'll probably see a, a legit costume down the line. He, so, he didn't, he didn't guarantee it. Everyone took it as gospel, but he, he kind of was just saying probably, is how I read that article. Well, I, I know who I will be hearing from the day they release a, an image of him in either yellow, something yellow or red. But, probably, probably red if Robbie has his way. Yeah. But <laughs> he, so, he, asked, he asked so, them not for yellow. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe some dark yellow then. But so, were right. you... The, there seems to be some differences in this Firestorm compared to the comic version. Like, are you, as, a, as the big Firestorm fan that you are, Shag, are you happy with, like, the way they have done that like so far because look there's some major repercussions at the end of this episode for him yes yes um with the explosion at the end i mean i i don't think i'm spoiling anything by saying what the result of that is am i i mean no no, no look, okay guys spoiler if you haven't seen last night's episode this will be played well, in they shouldn't the even be listening they shouldn't even be listening to this if they didn't see last night's episode. No, 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 no look, let's not discourage people to not listen to the Flash Pocket because they should definitely be listening to the Flash oh, Pocket. Okay. But if they haven't seen the episode, can go and watch the episode and then come back and listen to the Flash Pocket, your source for everything CW's The Flash. So, spoiler alert, what happens at the end of the episode? Well, they're, you know, uh, Ronnie and, and the professor are still merged and looks like they're going to go critical. And uh, they, they put the fusion device, I forgot what it's called already, the splicer. They put the splicer on him, and he goes nuclear. There's a giant explosion. Now, we already know a little bit about the next episode. Do you mind if I say what happens in the next episode that we already know? Is that uh, okay? Sure. Yeah, um, just um, keep, it, um, keep it to a minimum so that okay. we... Well, that we know what the result of the explosion is. The result of the explosion is Ronnie and the professor survive. It's not really that big of a shocker. I mean, come on. It's Robbie Mel. They're not going to kill him. Um, Over the Garber. Right. So they survive and they separate. They, they were successfully separated in that explosion. And then, you know, what we found out in this episode, and which is consistent with all the stuff I've read, is General Eiling wants Firestorm. So Robbie Mel, or I should say Ronnie Raymond and, Vic, and Professor Martinstein get separated. And next ep- issue, ep- episode, they have, they're faced with dealing with General Eiling coming after them and wanting Firestorm. So we'll have to see where it goes from there. Yeah, it's... And the effects, you know, I will say that if special effects were just, you know, the flames and just him flying and... Oh, that flying fight was amazing! Okay, so, accurately, who would win between the Flash and Firestorm? Well, if Firestorm had complete access to all of his, you know, atomic restructuring abilities, Firestorm should win, you know? But then the argument can be made, truthfully, if Flash was really running at his full speed, he, no one should be able to beat him. Because no one should ever be able to lay a finger on him. So it, it's a tough one. Of course I'm going to say Firestorm should win, because he's got almost wish-fulfillment powers. But, uh, you know, as, as Robbie said in the Flash after show, you know, the, the show's named The Flash, so Flash is going to win. 
By yeah. the way, congratulations. I saw you had a question asked, the very first question asked on the Flash After Show. Very yeah, cool. no, we, I, that was a huge honor to be um, able to submit a question to Flash After Show. Get, head over to the stream tv uh, on youtube you can you guys can look at that you can watch the interview with robbie mel and those lovely people and um, huge thanks to them you know we we're, we're a big fan of the stream tv so um and and if robbie mel is listening you know if you ever want to stop by the flash podcast you're totally welcome to do that but uh, <laughs> but, but but here's the thing shake we should do an episode later this year when the season is over and we will have the real conversation whether or not uh, who, uh, more like who will win? Really, who would really okay. win? The- we'll, we'll 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 role play. We'll bust out like okay, Flash should do this. We'll Firestorm do this. Flash should do that. We'll do that. That's fine. Flash. Hey, I got some. I got some uh, real quick because I know we're running out of time. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop some knowledge on you about tonight's episode. Oh no. So the opening scene where Ronnie goes to see Quentin Quayle, the, the other's fellow scientist. Mm-hmm. He's leading Concordance research. That actually comes from the comics. Uh, in the comics, Professor Martin Stein worked for a science group called Concordance Research, so that kind of sinks up there. And Quentin Quayle was not his old college roommate. Quentin Quayle was his real jerk of a boss who eventually fired Professor Stein. So seeing Quentin Quayle get burned up a bit was kind of funny. I kind of dug that. But, so. I like that name, Quentin Quayle. Like, I, can, I, I cannot say it. Try to say it three times fast. <laughs> I'm not even going to try that, so... Um, let's see. What else can I tell you? Um, the Clarissa, Professor Stein's wife. Professor Stein did have a wife in the in the comic named Clarissa, but she was his ex-wife, uh, and she was back to her maiden name, Clarissa Clemens, and she actually was uh, working for a secret organization called the One Thousand Committee or Two Thousand Committee, Two Thousand Committee, and uh, they were a bad guy organization, and she was helping them. So. She was a bad, bad person, and had purple hair, by the way, because oh, pu- you know, because it's comics. So. Yeah, you know, Felicity Smoke. She had black hair, and she was Ronnie's stepmother. So you know, things have been weird. They have been weird for sure. Yep. But uh, no, but Shaq, thank you so much for stopping, stopping by and talking uh, about Firestar. I wish we look once again. You're gonna. You, we need to have you on soon again, and we will do like. Look, if it needs to be three hours, we will do a three-hour episode about Firestorm and Flash <laughs> and their atomic friends. But, um, right. but, uh, but, and where can people it, look? Because people love Firestorm. People are gonna love Firestorm in the next couple of months and years. So, where should people head to? What website to get all their information about Firestorm and wh- wh- how they can learn about him? Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, they can head over to firestormfan.com. That is sort of the hub for all the Firestorm fan activity. You know, then, of course, we're out on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Those are the two we're on the most, but we're also on Google Plus and Instagram and Tumblr. So, and when I say we, it's really just me and uh, a buddy of mine named Tim who also helps out sometimes with uh, our Futures End coverage, which I very much appreciate. And then um, also we ha- I have a, there's a podcast called the Fire and Water Podcast. I, I'm one of the co-hosts. The other co-host is my friend Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine, which is a, a sort of a sister site. It's very similar, but it's uh, focused on Aquaman. So we do a podcast together about Firestorm and Aquaman. It's kind of fun, fire and water. And we argue a lot, so you know, fire and water don't mix that well. So it's it's a good time. We talk about we'll talk about the Flash TV show. We'll talk about the old comics. We'll talk about kind of whatever comes into our head that has to do with DC Comics. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for stopping by, and we're gonna head right back to well, me in the future with uh, Scott and Lawrence. So thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. And we're back. So 
what else happened in this episode? Because there was, you know, not to use a horrible pun, but there was a lot of heat from other aspects, too, in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Sarcastic clap. Sarcastic clap. (laughs) You mean Barry and Linda's heat? (laughs) Is that what you're alluding to? Well, that. But you talked about Joe and Cisco's investigation. Well, both. So, um, well, Scott, let's uh, let's go with that last point you you brought up because that's a it's a doozy. Yeah, um, it you know it was really interesting to see um, you know how far Cisco was going to go with this, um, going back to the crime scene of where uh, Barry's mother was murdered. Um, you know, originally thinking he's just helping Joe out, and then eventually realizing that uh, Doctor Wells is at the center of it. And um, I actually thought that exchange was a really good exchange. I liked it when. Um, you know, when he first finds out that Dr. Wells is being investigated as part of this revisiting of the crime scene, uh, that, you know, Cisco says, this is a brilliant man. He's, he's not, you know, into killing anybody. He's not that kind of person. And I love how, uh, Joe reminds him, look, man, I've been a cop and, you know, in all my years, every time a family member or friend finds out that somebody's done something really bad, they typically always say, that's not the person I know. And um, that's true in real life. <laughs> you oh, <know>? it is. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was a really good uh, point and a really good exchange be the two, between the two of them. And then, you know, he continues anyway and – you know, I thought the whole science behind, you know, <laughs> how they figured out how they were going to see exactly what happened, you know, after they uncover the wallpaper and everything and see the blood under the wallpaper. Um, the science that was involved in the um, technology to recreate the holograms of what happened that day so they could see what was going on was, was a really cool thing to watch unfold. Um, and then, of course, it all ends with the revelation that after they run the scientific um, after they run the test on the blood, they find one of them to be uh, to be that of an older Barry Allen, which um, we knew there were two speedsters involved anyway, but that really has a lot of people asking some questions after that revelation, and it was a good kind of a good place in the show to kind of leave it at that and make us wonder how you know what they're going to figure out next as they continue to piece this together but those were some pretty big jumps and you know you had the humor there involved every time that woman walked in the room sherry <laughs> joe, joe joe lost focus for a few seconds <laughs> but <laughs> i don't blame kind of him to watch that yeah so uh yeah so that was definitely a good element it, it you know it really is quite remarkable to some degree the depth that these shows really have uh and how much they're able to fit into an hour you know, when you consider everything that's happening with Ronnie and his ex-wife and and Ronnie and or I should say, well, one part of Ronnie and his ex-wife and the other part of Ronnie and his ex-fiance. <laughs> and, and then you have uh, Barry and his his complicated love life. And you have the complexities here of what's happening back at the house. And they covered all that in this episode. So uh, I know we already talked about uh, Stein and, and Ronnie. But this was definitely uh, another really good, complex issue that they covered nicely in this episode. So, uh, nice little bombshell there. Well, I guess it's not a big bombshell, but it's an interesting um, revelation there at the end about whose uh, blood is on the wall. 
I loved Cisco and Joe investigating Nora Allen's murder. I felt like I felt like this was a total reverse episode because you had Dr. Wells and Caitlin on a stakeout, which is usually what like the police would be doing. And then you have Cisco like doing CSI with Joe. So to me it felt like everybody kind of switched up their roles a little bit and I really like seeing Dr. Wells outside of Star Labs. Like I loved when he and Caitlin were just in the van and running surveillance and going to talk to um Dr. Stein's wife, but I thought the Cisco Joe dynamic was really good and really healthy because, you know, if Cisco, if the only male kind of mentor he has in his life is Dr. Wells, that might not necessarily be a good thing because Dr. Wells is pretty ruthless. And I think Joe is definitely the heart of the show. And I think, you know, we usually see Joe kind of fathering Barry and it was nice to see him kind of father Cisco in this episode. Yeah, and especially because, and I don't know how they're going to do this on the show, if they will base it completely on the New 52 comic, but in the comic books, Cisco does have um, a complicated relationship with his entire family because of something that happens to his big brother. I'm not going to spoil it here on the show, but uh, so I like that he has his father figure in a way with uh, with Joe, which I, did, I, I didn't expect it to be Joe, but, uh, but hey, you know, Joe West is awesome, so I don't mind that. But I no, I like that too. I, it's always cool. Like, and this is what I want to see on air too. I want to see more characters that are n- normally not in a scene together or doesn't interact that much with each other. Like, for example, Felicity or Laurel or um, Iris or Caitlin or whatever. So I, I I like that whole aspect and the whole sci-fi science aspect of the um, the investigation. How they discovered it was Barry's blood. It was pretty. It was pretty cool, actually. And it, it, I wish I understood science, though, because I feel like every time they talk about science, I have to ha- uh, look up a dictionary and just be. So, what does this mean? What does this mean? But uh, no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too, like you guys. And it's. Um, but it was mostly fun just to see Cisco and Joe work together. And um, but it also, it kind of rem- gave us a little reminder that even though Harrison has been a little bit shady, pu- you know, for. All of them, like they all know that he, there's, there's something up with him a little bit. It's kind of incredible to see how much loyalty that Cisco still has for Harrison. Meaning that maybe yeah. he, maybe he's still in denial. Of, no, there's for whatever things that Harrison has done before. It's he's not a bad man. He he is the mentor that I came to to knew and so on. Yeah, I think if they want to draw out some tension between Cisco and Dr. Wells in the future and about Cisco's ability to trust him, I think they might bring the Pied Piper character back for that. Because, like, Pied Piper worked for Wells, but I don't think he ever trusted him. But Cisco's a little different. Like, Cisco is really trusting of people. And I think if they wanted to draw that out, that the Pied Piper could, could, um, could really just kind of pull on those threads in Cisco's ability to trust Dr. Wells. Agreed. Agreed. So you talk, you, you brought up um, a couple of minutes ago about the Barry and Lynn relationship, Lauren. So um, what happened with those two kids today? <laughs> well, it's so funny. You have all these really serious moments when you meet Dr. Stein's wife and you see what Caitlin's going through and trying to let go of Ronnie. And now he's right in front of her, but he's not himself. Like we were talking about earlier, all these really emotional undertones. And then on the other hand, we have Barry and Linda, you know, just 
falling in love and trying to date and trying to fool around and then Barry realizing that maybe fooling around isn't such a good idea because he uh, he may have super speed in ways he didn't quite expect. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that was supposed to be. I was like, is he going to vibrate through her? Because he, you know, he, he can do that through walls and stuff. I'm like, what's about to happen? This is not, this is speed sex. Yeah, pretty much, you know, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I think it kind of freaked Barry out a little bit. And it was like, like, it was so hard to watch him. He kept leaving her. And it's like, he kind of looks like a jerk right now. You know, they're in the middle of fooling around and he's like, oh, sorry, gotta go. And then it happened again when she was at work. And so, like, what did you guys think about them, like, adding in her character? Um, And then I guess later we'll talk about how her character is kind of drawing out feelings and iris but what do you, like how do you guys feel about linda so far in the show well i mean you know they they described her as somebody who is uh pretty straightforward and um you know um very opinionated not afraid to say what she thinks and make decisions and that sort of thing and she's definitely been very uh consistent with that you know it, it's just tough you know as a as an audience you you know, you're always pulling for those uh, things to work out, even if you know they can't. <laughs> and uh, they do that. They do a really good job of um, letting that unfold here because you want him to be able to explain why he has to leave, but, you know, we can't. And there's really no way, as demonstrated in the episode, there's really no way to just kind of half ass explain it in a way that's going to work. Um, without just saying, "Look, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm the Flash, and when I'm called, yeah. I gotta I gotta go." Um, so you know, it's hard to be upset with her, um, other than the fact you want it to work because they obviously like each other a lot and they have good chemistry. But you know, this is you know we've talked about it on several times. This is just part of the uh, challenges of being the hero that you can't have the normal personal life things and be able to juggle it. It usually doesn't work out. And Oliver Queen tried to tell Barry that as well at one point in time. So, uh, but I think she's a she's a good character, and it's it's obviously not the last time this problem's going to arise. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how tolerable she is of that and how that impacts him. I I'm going to sound sound so harsh now, but it's we kind of saw this coming in a way that. Look, we know that in the end, it's going to be Iris and Barry. It's going to be West Allen. Uh, hope I hope I made you happy, West Allen fans, because uh, yeah, they get they get all excited when we mention West Allen. But I I love Linda. I think the actress is doing a great job. And but it's it's kind of hard to not notice that yeah, it's something bad is going to go down at some point because Barry and th- it it's I'm not saying it's a cliche I'm just saying that it it's hap- it does happen a lot in a superhero story which is it makes sense for it to happen because if you're a superhero and you have to you know hide your your secret life you're going to have those times where you you know you can't have a personal life you can't have a relationship with a girl or a man and you you know you can't live life normally so I, even though I love their relationship I'm not I'm I'm trying not to get too into it because I just feel that it's gonna stop. Something is gonna happen. So, uh, but I like that she was kind of very, a little bit harsh and say, you know, look, this, this is how I work in relationships and if you can't commit, then, you know, then let's just call it. Uh, um, and then there's the hilarious thing at the end <laughs> when he's, 
What was it that he oh, that he ate to prove to her that that he would that he would commit to his relationship? Was it a pepper? What was that? Yeah, some kind of really spicy pepper. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's basically me when I'm eating hot food. So um, got need to have a lot of water n- nearby. But um, but I, I, I have a question. I have a question for you guys about Linda. Okay. So when I was watching the episode, I kept thinking like this is a really smart woman. She obviously works for a newspaper. She's really good at investigative journalism, and you know she even called his work to see if he was telling the truth and. Like she found out that he wasn't. So I'm wondering, and and I don't know if this takes place in the comics at all, but I'm wondering if she's going to figure out that he's the flash at some point in this season. And if she's going to know before Iris knows. And cause I feel like they kind of did that with um, arrow and canary in season two. Like Oliver was able to sort of explore a relationship with Sarah because she did know about his secret identity do you guys think that's possible it's a possibility for linda to find out or do you think she's just a small arc character and she's only going to be on for a few episodes i i have no idea <laughs> um <clears throat> you know i i could see them doing either one of those things um if Andy's right, and inevitably it is going to be about Barry and Iris, then I think the the small story arc is going to probably most likely going to be the answer there. Um, it's just it's tough to say because we don't we, you know we just saw her. This is the first time we've seen her. So, or actually, this is the first time we've seen them you know start a relationship. We saw them for the first time, I guess, the week prior when they met at the bar. But um, you know this. It, it just kind of depends on where they're going to go. I mean, she could also just to simply be a character they're dropping in to force other outcomes between him and Iris and a couple of other you know issues they're trying to address in the show. And if that's her only purpose, then yeah, she's going to be a small arc character or she's going to be somebody that kind of disappears for a while, isn't a central figure, and then pops back in just to show she's still around. Um, as far as her knowing... Uh, that he's the Flash. I'm not sure. I mean, it. I'm not sure because I don't. You know, I think if we if we had a clear idea of what they're going to do between Barry and Iris, I think we'd be able to uh, answer that a little easier. Um, because you know, I always think of two uh, Bruce Wayne and uh, and Rachel in the Dark Knight trilogy. You know, and how they managed to coexist and 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 have some sort of connection in separate lives, even though she knew he was. Uh, Batman, but obviously they weren't able to have their relationship uh, because of it. But she still knew. So I don't know if if Barry's going to have a, you know his Rachel in this or not, or or what's going to happen. But it is possible that her only purpose is to come in here, shake things up, to cause other chain reaction event of events to happen um, that get Barry and Iris together, uh, and maybe cause that rift um, with. Um, Oh shoot! No, I, his name just left me. The guy that Iris is with now, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Yeah, oh, poor Eddie. cause a rift there. So we'll, um, you know, I, I could I could see either one of those situations um, happening. It just depends on what the writers want to have uh, happen with Barry's relationship status. Yeah, I to answer your question, Lauren, about in the comic books. Well, 
Linda Park is famous for being the wife of the third Flash, Wally West. So I'm, you may have seen it when it was first announced that she was going to join the show as Barry's love interest. It was a, there were a lot of ups, uh, upset hardcore Flash fans because she is the wife of Wally, and now they're introducing her at this point. It's yeah. like, look, age doesn't necessarily have to mean everything. So you know, once Wally is. I'm sure that in this world he's still a teenager, so maybe once he's 18 or 21 or whatnot, he can probably still get together with Linda. Yeah, she's going to be a few years older than him, but you know, age doesn't matter. It's love. So no, but I in the sh- in in the comics, I do think if I'm correct, guys, don't hate me if I'm if I say the wrong thing now. But I think she knows that Barry is the Flash in the comic book, so there is a possibility that she might might find out. Yeah, I just had this kind of passing feeling that she might figure it out pretty soon. And may- you know what I would love? If she would be the one that kind of pushes him to actually tell Iris that he is the Flash. If they do that, I will be more happier with uh, with her role in the show that it, than just being a love interest. Because this, she's a smart girl. And I love that she's a sports reporter at uh, Central City Picture News and all that. So... We shall see, but I, I I like the way you guys are thinking that, that it might it's it might be something else where Barry can actually have that life of being both the Flash but having someone at the same time, like you you described from the Dark Knight trilogy, Scott, uh, with Rachel and um, and Bruce Wayne. So I don't know which one of you brought it up, but you guys brought up uh, bringing out some feelings from Iris uh, uh, because of uh, this relation between Barry and Linda. So uh, Scott, um, take it away. Oh, good. This frustrated me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm actually going to hide under my table. You can tell me when you're... Oh, Lord. Well, you know, it's like... And I realize, you know, you have to kind of draw the line certain places and, and try to give people the benefit of the doubt that there's conflicting emotions. But you know what? At the end of the day, she she never broke it off with Eddie. And she's not going to break it off with Eddie. So I get frustrated with the fact that she's trying to have her cake and eat it too. <laughs> you know, she she's going to have Eddie, and then she's going to make sure that, um, you know, Barry, you know, doesn't connect with anybody else. <laughs> in a sense, you know, I thought that was a really uncomfortable moment when Iris, uh, you know, was was talking with Linda and said, "Oh yeah, well he hasn't let go of you know the last person he was interested in," and I think in a way the show was trying to maybe give you the impression that perhaps that was just an unconscious thing that she wasn't like, "Ha ha ha, I'm going to get this girl away from him," but you know what? At the end of the day, that she, she still said it. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she, <laughs> she did. still said it, and and then you know I I like the fact that Barry kind of took charge and said, "Look, you know." quit doing this you know and and then you know again she acted like she didn't realize she did it i don't know if i buy that but it was frustrating because you know what you're not married to eddie yet so if you want to be with barry figure it out do something about it but if you're not going to and you haven't done anything up to this point then he's got to be allowed to do what he does and your jealousy really means nothing <laughs> because you are not doing anything about it and he's t- he's been adult about it and taken except to the fact I waited too long I didn't do anything um and even said it, it to her and yeah, said and that said, I don't have you know, feelings for you anymore and says you and Eddie go and be happy and then the first chance that you know finally Barry gets somebody this happens was a little maddening and only because I really like Iris and I think she's you know 
kind of handled things relatively well up to this point. Um, I just thought that was a unconscious or not. That was just not the coolest thing in the world to do. And, um, I did think it was quite a moment is from a, from a, the show standpoint for her to basically look at her straight in the eyes and say, I don't have those feelings for you anymore. I don't think any one of us buy that for a second. <laughs> I'm not sure he does, but I mean, that's really at that point in time, you know, all he could say to, you know, quit screwing things up because, you know, he knows too that, you know, if she's going to stay with Eddie, then, you know, there's, there's, there's not even a, a purpose behind getting in the way of this. So it, it created a pretty, um, you know, tense dynamic between the two of them. And I, I thought that was a really um, tough moment. And, of course, at the end of the episode, we see them kind of make up as Iris watches um, and all's well at, at that point in time. But it was just kind of frustrating. <laughs> Can I ask you this as no. a backup, as a follow-up question to your statement? Uh, do you feel that it was out of character for her to do the way the, the, the thing that she did, even if it was unconscious or not? Do you feel like that, regardless whatever the reasons were, did you feel that, as a, from a writing perspective, that this was out of character for Iris based on the established thing that they have done for her since episode one? I think in a way, I mean, I'm not going to say it was, but I think you can make that argument. Um, just because, you know, we all the way up to this point, although, you know, I guess it's not hard to believe that it's easy for you to accept circumstances until it starts affecting you personally. And the moment Barry starts meeting someone else and she has to watch it, it starts to affect her personally. When Barry's single and she's with Eddie, it doesn't affect her personally. So we see her handle a lot better because Barry's the only one that's having to handle it from a really tough spot because he has to watch the two of them interact where she hasn't had to do that. This was the first time Iris knowing how Barry felt is having to watch him interact with another woman and she's realizing it may affect her in a different way. So it's not necessarily out of character as to how somebody would react. It's just, it was just tough to see her talk so much about his happiness and having them know each other as long as they have to let something like that really come out and, and hurt what, what, you know, he has going when she already has somebody, I'm just, so I don't think it's out. Of, I don't think it's out of character as far as unbelievable as to what somebody might do in that situation. It was just tough to see Iris do it. No, I understand. I'm just going to say, add one more comment, then I want to hear what Lauren uh, thinks about this. But I wonder what would have happened if. Barry had never told Iris that he had feelings for her, and then he would have got into a relation with Linda. Do you think she would have still done that, or do you think she wouldn't have done it at all? Because at that point, she wouldn't know that, well, there was a door once in a, once in a while. It, once in a time, there was a door that I could have taken because he wanted me, but I didn't want him then. So if she didn't have that information pre-him meeting Linda, would it have been different in your eyes? I think that's a fantastic question. Um, oh well, thank you. First of all, yeah, no, it's a good question, and I, and my initial thought is I think it, I think no, because she has a lot because she has a lot more experience in thinking there's nothing there than she is there could have been something because I know for a fact Barry had something. The idea that she knows that Barry's had feeling feelings for her has only been around for what a few days, few weeks of the time they'd known each other, whereas all of those months and years and things that passed as they grew up, it was just always accepted. They were just really, really close friends. So 
as long as if that kept going, I think it would have been very it would have been a lot easier for her to at least have maybe a different attitude. I'm not going to say it wouldn't bother her, but it wouldn't bother her as badly. Um because the the idea that of knowing that Barry's had those kind of feelings for her, that's still very very new when you when you look at Everything she's thought and known about him and their relationship over the years, the idea that Barry's had these feelings for her and knows it for a fact is still a very new set of thoughts and emotions tied to their relationship that she you know, doesn't have a lot of experience in dealing with. So I think if that hadn't happened, it would have been just a continuation of the life they had already lived and what she already knew of them. And I think she would have been less likely to interfere directly or indirectly with his relationship with Linda. Interesting. Well, Laura, let's um, let's give let's just see what you have to say about like, how like do you feel similar to how Scott feels about um, Iris's reaction to well Belinda basically? I do. I agree with a lot of what Scott was sharing. I think it was a completely, um, completely normal reaction. Not that I liked the reaction because it was absolutely awful to watch Iris get in the way of their relationship. But I think, I think people do that in real life. I think when they feel threatened or when they feel jealous or when they feel like a friendship or a relationship, like if they're worried about a relationship that they have with someone changing, that they, that they will try to sabotage that person's other relationships, whether it's a friend relationship or whether it's a romantic relationship. So it didn't surprise me that Iris did that. Um, and I, I kind of, I almost kind of liked that she did it because it just shows that she's like, everybody has a weakness. And so where Iris is really strong in some areas, like this is kind of a weak area for her. I mean, Barry's been in love flaw. with her. It is a flaw. It's a character flaw. And it's good to have, you know, it's good to see your characters make mistakes because they're human. You know, it reminds you that they're not always going to make the best choices. But and is it is it a good enough, is it a, is it a good enough, is it, is it an acceptable enough, that's actually a better word, acceptable enough character flaw when she is still very much in control of her decisions and has all the way up to this point, even after knowing what, what Barry said, is going, you know, 110 miles an hour into this thing with Eddie, you know, moving in with him the whole bit. That means that she's made her decision that regardless of what Barry, how Barry feels. <laughs> See, you're she talking is like a going. man, Scott. <laughs> what okay. the hell does that make me? Oh, I'm, 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 I'm leaving. <laughs> Women, you know, okay, I can just speak from personal experience. I've been in situations like that where I am like in a relationship and I am like on a certain path and then someone, you know, in, in high school, this happened. I was in a relationship and a really good friend of mine told me that he had feelings for me. And like, I wasn't going to get out of the relationship that I was in, but it didn't like, I still wanted that person's attention and their affection. And I think that's what Iris is dealing with. She wants Barry's attention. She might but not you be didn't in love move with, in him. with him. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm saying like, like, like the Eddie Barry in that situation, like I was in a relationship with someone like an Eddie and I had someone like a Barry tell me they had feelings for me and it wasn't black and white. It wasn't, you know, it like, it wasn't talk to the hand. Like there's, I don't want anything to do with you because like you want to be liked. And so I think for Iris, 
it's like you want to control all the pieces, you know? And so she wants, like you said, like she wants her cake. She wants to eat it too. She wants Eddie to be her boyfriend and Barry to be her best friend. Like she wants both. Well, I think she had not... both. But can well, I ask... she did. Yeah. She can, did I add have both. can I just add it? And, but she's, but, because I'm a huge Iris fan, I, you know, even, no, no, I see the problem what she did here, and I agree with both of you. But I do feel we need to remind ourselves that she's not doing this from a from a bad place. She's uh, she's doing, you know, she wants the best for for both parts. But All right. okay, go on. Let let me let me let me just make the the one thing that still kind of makes it a different dynamic. Okay. Wow, Scott. Which is this is so new to Scott. Like this is our <laughs> most intense discussion ever. Like you know, we have Firestorm, but no, we <laughs> No, we're going right. to talk we're gonna about Melinda and we're going to talk about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry because oh, oh my god, I'm now I'm more blessed than ever that I have Scott part of this podcast because I've I never knew I would have this kind of discussion with Adam. Like, he, I don't know if he would notice the way this, the way we would, would have done it. No, no offense to him. So, Scott, break it down. Yes. <laughs> All I'm saying is, I I just think if 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 there was still some conflict and she still felt, you know, that there was a connection, maybe an intimate connection between the two people, I think there's nothing wrong with making decisions that um of course I and, I and I will admit I don't remember exactly the the um events and how they unfolded in the timeline so you guys feel free to correct me on that okay but you know I think she could still continue her relationship with Eddie and still and still kind of balance you know where she is with him and where she is with Barry but the moment you start accepting engagement rings and moving into somebody's house the harder it's going to be <laughs> to balance those two things, you know, um, because when you start taking those steps, you are making a clear statement that, you know, exactly where at least 90% of your, you know, intentions lie and to use the other 10% to try to, you know, keep somebody in the loop that obviously even as badly as you want to be, you know, still kind of there. It, 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 you know, everybody knows it can't work that way, especially if you've made it clear to another person that you're moving in and, and probably going to marry that person. Oh my God, Lord, sorry. I just saw what you just did, Lord. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I, I like, this is a good discussion. We, we need to, look, at some point, we're going to do an episode during the hiatus about relationships because that is a huge part of these comic book shows uh so no but it's let's see what unfolds in the next couple episodes between barry and linda and see how iris is still behaving if if, if she imp- look this is the first time you know any of us has had any problems with iris because she we, we love iris but it's a flaw that i'm that I, I it can't make me hate her but you know i can accept the fact that you know okay it was a bit odd that she maybe she should you know because she's been so like I don't think she would have ever done this to Felicity though like because she was all about making those two get together oh, oh you know what that's when she didn't know that Barry was in, interested in Iris so that answers your question oh. she was trying to hook up Barry and Felicity when she was brilliantly naive about Barry's feelings towards her she was all about it but I still feel like if Barry and Felicity had gotten together and Iris was there she would have had that pit in her stomach 
that, oh my gosh, things are going to have to change with Barry. I'm not going to be the only woman in his life. And I think that's kind of where they're taking the character at the moment. Like, yeah, she's engaged and she moved in with Eddie, but she's not ready to let go of Barry yet. And I think she just, she sabotaged the relationship. Whether she was trying to or not, it just happened. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm still laughing a little bit about that tweet. She, Lauren uh, just tweeted, if it's okay to bring this up, people will see it. People will see it. Uh, that she just tweeted that we have, we're have we having a heated discussion right now. Not about Firestorm, but about Iron. Oh, wait, heated. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> oh, the puns. Um, but you know what? I think that's a good stop to for this episode discussion okay the post credit scene look i love classy brown but that was kind of underwhelming and rushed like it felt like you didn't need that scene in a way i didn't uh, so what we're talking about the post credit scene is it's literally 15 seconds where a bunch of uh, military people are you know keeping an eye on firestorm and a military person comes in and says to you know, Eiling, that um, what's going on? He says, "Bring me Firestorm." Executive producers, whatever. So, I, I, well, I they, can't, they can't show us Gorilla Grodd every week. I mean, that, no, you know. they have to. I want my gorilla, <laughs> and I want him to eat his banana too. Okay, <laughs> I was confused about the post-credit scene because my first thought when the general said, "Get me Firestorm." I thought, and this was just me, and since I've read the episode description for next week, I have been corrected. But I thought that meant, like, Dr. Stein and Ronnie Raymond weren't really Firestorm. They were, like, a fake-out, and that the general, like, had the actual Firestorm character on his team somewhere. And he was like, get me Firestorm. But that's not what was going on, right? He meant, let's go get those guys... Yeah, yeah. That's... In the nuclear blast? Okay. Yeah. That kind of threw me off a little bit, like how he said that. A good episode. Uh, we had um, some very, yeah, he, you know, very intense discussions and so on. Um, but uh, Very heated, <laughs> heated very yeah. heated discussions yeah, look, look, about look, fire <laughs> Look, we've already opened that can of worm now at this point. So, yeah, we have, <laughs> we have to do, we, yeah, I'm just gonna, um, I'm just gonna, use those puns now but let's get in some feedback now before uh, a little bit fast now so before we get to our spoiler section it's gonna be it's gonna be a long episode for sure guys so um scotty uh, scott sorry what i need to start looking at star trek things every time i'm using my computer scott i meant scott <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> scott, scott. beam us up <laughs> yeah, be, beam us up scotty uh, what, what did the fans have to say about this week's episode of the flash well, they had some opinions just like us. At Crispy47 says, Love the comedic angles in Barry's personal life. The Firestorm storyline was great. And Flashpoint, hashtag amazing. At Start a Frenzy said, Love seeing Victor Garber from Alias on the show. Robbie ML was great playing was great at playing both the uh, manic and the calmer parts of Stein. Iris was definitely feeling a bit jealous about Barry and Linda. Loved all the comedy bits. Laughed a lot. I love the reveal that one of the blood splatters is from Barry. This show just gets better and better with each episode. At Derby Kid says, Loved Joe and Cisco's detective work and was moved by the Firestorm story. Awesome episode. At Alex underscore Chapman says, solid episode tonight. 
Firestorm was cool. Riveting cliffhanger, and we'll definitely be back next week. And at Mike Schmidt09 says, Love the Barry Linda relationship. Victor Garber suits the Martin Stein persona, persona well. Enjoyed seeing Robbie and Mel with personalities. Very excited about the revelation that adult Barry was there the night his mother died. Uh, I believe we also we also have a few emails, right? Yeah, and I'm I'm assuming that you're having me read this first email just because I have to say Snowberry, but I will go ahead and read yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I want it. Yeah, so, and I want to read it slowly so I can just hear you say Snowberry. Wonderful. Okay, goody. Um, we heard from Corey Flynn who says, "I love this episode, even with not as many Snowberry scenes." As last week, seeing Iris jealous of Barry being with another girl was great. She took him for granted for too long. Plus, the fire, the story of Firestorm was great as well. But that's going to wrap up our discussion because we need to speed it up a little bit because we all have things to get to. But um, yeah, you can listen to, well, you can find us on theflashpodcast.com. Facebook and Twitter and our Facebook group, all at The Flash Podcast, as well as iTunes and Stitcher Radio, Google+, uh, The Flash Fan Circle from our good friend Hank over to Fanatic, and uh, check out Mike Schmidt's Flash Oprah at SoundCloud.com slash Flash Oprah. You can catch us on the Mixed Radio Network at 6 p.m. on Wednesday nights, which is today. And uh, you can also check out our great friends over at saptwit.com that does great uh, TV coverage uh, with reviews and news and all those things. And email us any questions you have about us or the podcast or The Flash at theflashpodcast at gmail.com. Guys, do your fastest plug, no pun intended, of uh, what you guys do outside of The Flash Podcast with Assembly of Geeks. Well, I would say that uh, really quick that we just had another episode of Assembly of Geeks um, post at assemblyofgeeks.com. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher and all and a bunch of other podcast hubs as well, uh, content hubs. Uh, we cover, once again, a ton of geeky topics in just one hour, everything ranging from the Marvel announcement of the all-female Avengers to the Marvel experience to Star Wars Battle Pod, Walking Dead, tons of stuff in one hour, as always, uh, at Assembly of Geeks. And we'll be putting out a new episode of the Peggy Carter podcast as well this week. Your things that you do with Fantastic TV and Entertainment Weekly Community. Yeah, Entertainment Weekly Community. Um, there's a lot of great recaps going on that site every day for shows like The Americans, Star Wars Rebels. I've been keeping up with Jane the Virgin, and there have been some really great reveals on that show recently. You can mm-hmm. find all those at community.ew.com. Um also, my really good friends on Fancastic TV, the site that I run, um, we are recapping Better Call Saul. So for those of you that are Breaking Bad fans and are enjoying AMC's new kind of Breaking Bad spinoff prequel, you can check out our recaps over there. We are also doing a Gallivant soundtrack giveaway. So if you guys hop on to fancastic.wordpress.com, you can find out about our soundtrack giveaway, which does close this Friday on Valentine's Day. And uh, you can always stay in touch with us, stay in touch with me on Twitter, Lauren underscore Galloway. Uh, Assembly of Geeks is Geeks Assemble and Fancastic is at Fancastic TV. We're going to do um, a brief spoiler discussion um, after the music. But uh, for those who will not stick around for the spoilers, Lauren, thank you so much 
for joining us um, for the past two weeks. And we will, you know, we're looking forward to having you back for episode 18 of The Flash, All-Star Team-Up, with uh, Ray Palmer and Felicity Smoke. So thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's been a really great just two weeks to discuss episodes. And I can't wait to come back to talk about Felicity and Ray and what trouble they're going to cause in Central City. So for our, uh, if you're not going for the spoilers, for our crew members, Adam Holmes, Chris Duker, and Steph, I'm, I'm Andy Babak. I'm Scott Murray. Lauren Galloway. And we will see you next week on the Flash Podcast. Welcome to the spoiler section of The Flash Podcast. Yes, what you just heard was a kind of a reverse trailer of next week's episode of The Flash as we're getting into some time traveling. So, you know, be ready for your great Scots and your DeLoreans and your Tardises and all that because we're going to discuss now what we just saw in the trailer for next week's episode called Fallout. All right, next week, General Eiling targets Firestorm. After the nuclear explosion separates Ronnie, guest star Robbie Amell, and Dr. Stein, guest star Victor Garber, Barry and the team believe both men are safe. Caitlin is thrilled to have her fiancé back and prepares to resume their life together while Dr. Stein returns to his wife. However, when General Eiling, guest star Clancy Brown, targets Firestorm, Ronnie and Dr. Stein must decide if they are safer together or apart. Meanwhile, Mason Bridge, guest star Roger Hayworth, tells Iris that there is something secretive going on at Star Labs, and Dr. Stein gives Barry some important information about time travel. Steve Sergic directed the episode written by Keto Shimizu and Ben Sokolowski. It's interesting that uh, two Arrow writers are taking over this episode completely, uh, which, you know, and they, they've, run some, they've written some really good episodes. I know Keto, she's written um, some of those Suicide Squad episodes. She's, she's now written the, the one that's coming for this season of uh, Arrow. So uh, it'll be nice to see how the Arrow writers will handle uh, some flashy stuff. So let's go around the table and, uh, and say what we're lo- looking forward to the most in this, um, in this episode after seeing Barry get into some time traveling for the first time in the series. I'm excited about the time travel, but I'm really excited to see Ronnie and Caitlin's reunion. 
Uh, I looked ahead at some of the pictures from next week's episode, and it looks like it's going to be such an emotional homecoming for those two characters. And Scott? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, a lot of people have been waiting for the uh, time travel element to work its way in. So, you know, I, I know that we're all anxious to see, um, you know, the impact it has on everything. Um, yeah, the, the, the element of uh, Caitlin and Ronnie getting back together will be interesting because it'll be interesting to see if even if they're even when they're separated obviously you have to think there's still going to be some effects there um after the fact so yeah it's going to be uh it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds and um i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to see how they deal with the time travel aspect because it seems we're going to go back to the pilot even as well because if I saw it correctly, did did we or did we not see Barry Barry's fight with Weather Wizard in that uh, trailer? Did we? I didn't. I didn't see it. I saw him. I saw. Maybe they're using the same shots for when he's running around something like he did in the pilot. But no, I'm excited. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I know what you're talking about. But um, but but Weather Wizard. They're supposed to do something with Time Travel and Weather Wizard in episode 15 when they introduce Mark. Marden, uh, as as he comes to Central Central City because of his death of his brother, and whatnot. But I'm looking forward to see that. But I'm I really want to see more of Martin Stein. I was so fascinated by his uh, portrayal in this episode. I kind of want to see because now we've seen him in the pre- in the past when he was kind of numbed down a little bit. He was you know not too enthusiastic about science, but now <laughs> he's living a science fiction life. So I kind of want to see how he is now taking this all in and what they actually decide to do as um, they're now separated. I want to know why he had the star, why he had the firestorm experiment with him at the particle accelerator, the date exploded. And I hope they explore that because like, you don't just carry that around, you know, as rocket raccoon would say, you had that in your purse. (laughs) (laughs) Why was he carrying that around? And especially around something highly uh, dangerous, like a particle accelerator. So I agree. I want to see more Victor Garber, more Victor Garber and everything is always a good thing, but specifically like why, like why was he working on the firestorm project? What were his plans for it? And yeah, what was it like for him to be merged? Like to live as a merged person, I would love to hear more about that. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I think uh, I think that's gonna wrap up our discussion for for now, and um, we we shall see what happens next week. Uh, but once again, Lauren, thank you so much for for being around for the past two weeks, and we're looking forward to having you back very soon. And uh, yeah, thank you everyone so much for listening to our very long episode. And uh, until next week, have a good one, and we will see you in a flash.